0: Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Caitlin's back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm going to have to turn that sound down. Sorry. Scream into the microphone. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very excited. It's really nice to have Caitlin back recording. Yeah. And we both look super daggy and it's really hot here and I'm still in my pajamas, but it's nice to have Caitlin back. Yay. <laughs> um, so we wanted to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody because we've think, both seen it.
1: I think first I will just say oh. we're going to do this in- intro. Yes. And then after this intro, you'll get the last little update from me and
0: Indy about our time in Los Angeles. So So, Caitlin and I really want to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. And we were like, let's not talk about it until we're recording because that's our life now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We've got to save it for the podcast. Uh, So so you saw it on Friday night. I saw it last night. It's amazing, and I've already so... watched one more like Queen documentary this morning, which really? finished just before you wow. came over. Called Freddie Mercury: The Great Pretender. It's on SBS Catch Up. Everyone go watch it. It's really amazing. <sighs> I feel
1: like I need to go watch it. I'm yeah, like really no, it's really good. Right
0: um, now. it does show one difference. They speak to Jim, um, who, if you've watched the movie or know anything about queen freddie mercury was um freddie's partner, partner. Um, um so yeah they kind of met a bit differently to how the movie shows it um but he looks like exactly the same as the movie really like, i'm so impressed with the, the casting. casting spot on really impressed so spot on um so even people like miami <laughs> so jim beach that was so funny i, know, yeah. I loved that but even so what a boring name no. even people like that like having looked at this documentary this morning they did such a good job of casting those people as well like wow, they were quite awesome. spot on um i think oh, just while we're talking yeah you just
1: made me think of that scene i loved the bit at the end when they cut back to the guy who was like you will forever be the guy who like dismissed queen and he's like with the lighting, <laughs> he's like damn it i know <laughs> oh i
0: know yeah no so it was so good. good so spot on likenesses like really really impressed with that and that's obviously because like real people have been involved in the production of it yes exactly. which makes a huge difference yeah um loved it loved it loved it I, I loved when they were filming like how they came up with bohemian rhapsody and stuff that was
1: so cool was i know it was really interesting actually one thing i saw it with my mum and my sister so one thing my mum said after it was because i said that, that i think that was my favorite scene because like obviously everyone <laughs> loves that song but my mum said it was good how you could clearly see that like he had like the vision for the band he was like we're doing this and then we're gonna do this and he was like and now we're doing this like operatic section and, you know like we was like we're gonna do these things and like be different
0: and be who we are and try these different things and I hate bringing it back to the Beatles but I will yeah. um no it reminded me a lot of like when the Beatles got super experimental in the recording studio and they'd just be like You know, to George Martin, their producer, they'd just be like, "Can we just do this?" Like, and I remember, like, there's this one song called "Tomorrow Never Knows," and John was like, "I want it to sound like a bunch of Tibetan monks chanting on a mountaintop," and he's like, "George, can you make that happen?" And George is like, "Yeah, sure, okay." Like, you know, it just it reminded me so much of like how super experimental they Mm. they got, and I loved that Freddie was that person yeah. and everyone's like oh he's so weird and he is because I think you have to be a certain level of weird genius to definitely to get that creative to get to, get to and that that not stick to level. formulas exactly like, yeah Fuck the formulas. <laughs> um
1: and I also really liked there must have been something about like the you know I guess the audience response to this band and then they did we will rock you and they were yeah. like let's do a song I loved that. for the audience and yeah. I was like that is so cool because Everyone loves that. Like, my sister used to love that
0: song because she could, like, do the clapping and everything. She loved it when she was, like, five. Mm. You know, she loved it. It also makes me really sad because I feel like Freddie had, like, a really lonely life and that he was searching for this like love and affection that maybe he didn't feel like he got from his parents. And so he found it in his band, but then, but then and he found it in lost Mary it with the band and yeah. kind of lost it with her. And I know, like still like, his... I was like, Oh look, he's got all this money. He's got like millions and millions of dollars. He's got this huge house and he's all alone. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just like seven
1: cats or something. I know,
0: which yeah. isn't, isn't bad. I mean, all the cats have their own rooms. So I know that was so cute. I love that. Um, and I love that he loved animals so much, but like, it just made me really sad because I was like, really is so true then like it doesn't matter how much fame or fortune you have like obviously he's still searching for something Mm. um so I like that there was kind of a feeling of resolution towards the end of the movie at that but it still made me feel like maybe he was finding that love and appreciation in the crowd Mm. which you then can never replicate fully because it's only a fleeting moment and I just got really sad about that I know it was yeah, it was kind of sadder than I expected it mm. to be. But um Which was also good because it was Yeah, yeah.
1: Well it is a drama. Like yeah. it's not a
0: comedic film. One thing that I noticed from this documentary, apparently um Freddie didn't like get tested for AIDS, like they show in the movie. Like he didn't he was one of the people who didn't really want to be tested until like, just, like, like, like right yeah, at the end. Probably got it like Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like I think maybe that was for the sake of keeping the movie in a certain timeline, they probably did yes, that. Yes,
1: exactly. Well, because it was it was point A to point B. You know, mm. it was from here to Live Aid and they sort of jumped years here and there.
0: I'm so impressed with the Live Aid though. Like I've seen some of the footage from the... Mm. It's amazing. Like it's you can't amazing. even tell the difference. I know. That was
1: so cool. It's so cool. It was amazing because it was funny how they were talking about it in the movie and then they were like, yeah, everyone gets a 20-minute set and they like digital and everything and they walked on stage and I was like "Is the last 20 minutes of the movie
0: gonna be their set and I was like because I love it (laughs) yeah I would love that and I'm glad they put as much in as they did exactly as well. well
1: what what can you cut like what were they gonna cut from that you
0: know (laughs) well they didn't they didn't do we will rock you and they actually did that like the we will rock you footage I saw on the documentary this morning um he doesn't actually sing we will rock you he's like lets the crowd like sing it and like conducts the crowd which I love yeah I did have some like little criticisms of the movie though and that is just that I guess it it kind of sanitizes it and that's been one of the main criticisms I know like from people generally is that it, it maybe like plays down his sexuality a little bit and mm-hmm. sort of it does well, sort of
1: and the struggle because it was like the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and but like, it does sort yeah. of
0: play up his heterosexual relationship
1: yeah that was a lot, a lot, a lot of...
0: but what what yeah. the real Freddie Mercury like from these documentaries did get quite involved in like the gay scene and stuff. And I think that's kind of maybe sanitized or like dulled down a little bit in Mm. the movie as, cause it's like one montage of him in a gay club when they do another one bites the dust, but it's just very like, I think that was a lot more part of his life than um, what the film makes it kind of present, yeah. and I think maybe and that's because they want to sanitize it. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there probably is something to that, mm. but there is also the
1: thing that I know you, you would have seen too, like as trailers to this movie and news and things that's been coming out for a year or more. It's been like this isn't a movie
0: about Freddie Mercury; it's mm. about Queen
1: yeah so there's that but it's but like in in, like they
0: definitely focus and i do love that like i learned a lot about his relationship with mary and stuff like that Mm. but still it did just feel like a little bit more like oh like there's a suggestion of his involvement with the gay scene but not like
2: full on do you know what i mean
0: like it just didn't i feel like maybe they just kind of held back a little bit which they should not have because well and part of that is like well okay in 2018 surely we can talk about all of that now yeah you know I don't yeah. know and maybe that's because like I don't think he ever talked about it that much either just from like yeah. watching this documentary but still I think he was quite involved in like go to gay so clubs and stuff like that to... I don't know it just yeah. it kind of it, it felt like more of a suggestion that this is what he was like raw and then like salacious article like all the queen's men like flashes mm-hmm. up on this sc- like it's not really Fully out there, talked about, and that's. I think that's my only criticism. I think that's probably one of the only criticisms of the oh, film generally. All, yeah. But it was wonderful. It's so wonderful. Yeah, and was still absolutely yeah. fantastic. And I say that not having like. I say that about the criticisms only because of what I've read yeah. and one documentary I watched. Like, I feel like I can't speak about it as much as like I have. I feel like I have authority to speak about the Beatles, but yes, I don't. I don't dedicated Yeah, research. exactly. But
1: I don't know yeah. as much about this. I do agree with you, and you're right. Neither of us are like, yeah, completely, completely obsessed it, with yeah. Queen and know everything there is to know about Freddie Mercury. But look, we loved the music. We loved the movie. Yeah, it was
0: really good. Yeah. And I did. It was quite. It was quite funny, um, you know. Lots of little jokes and mm. like little references to things, and that was very clever. And yeah. yeah, it definitely was one that I was like, yeah, I could watch this again and again. Yeah, it's fun. It's good. Rami Malek was amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. <laughs> like I
1: have, I have no words really. Like the amazing thing about this movie, like it really has been done well and like you know it's been done well because almost all the promotion has had like these side by side photos of him and freddie and the band mm. and everything and it's like they did a
0: good job yeah <laughs> like, but it's also like a cinematically nice movie to watch it is too. it's a very yeah. beautiful movie yeah i love my favorite things with the shots with the sunglasses yeah. on the table but like you could see him and you can the, see him it's very clever yeah. and um yeah just the the scene where he finds out that he's got AIDS, that was a beautiful scene mm. as well where just like through the blinds and then there's that person there who's like, ew. Yeah, that yeah. was so cool. It, it was sad but beautiful and yeah, it was it was such a gorgeous movie. But yeah, it kind of left me feeling a bit, a bit sad for Freddie as well. Yeah. But, you know what else I've watched this week? I finally finished watching American Horror Story Coven, oh, which God. took me like, took me like three episodes I kept saying to Steph at work who loves it I was like should I keep going I don't know not really working for me not loving it then I got really into it and binged like the rest of the season real quick it was so weird Mm. so I don't know which one to watch next because you know how you can kind of watch the seasons seasons like individually yeah Yeah. but like props to Ryan Murphy again makes me care about people who I'm like you're despicable yet I want to know what happens Mm. and bonus points for this for this season I didn't realize Stevie Nicks is actually in this season because there's a there's a witch in this who's obsessed with Stevie and then as part of it one of the other witches brings stevie there and she like performs that's for so her awesome. i know it's so cute and she like gives her a shawl but there's this bit where they have to perform like the seven wonders and so of course stevie's there singing seven wonders that's so cool i've watched season five of brooklyn 99 oh i'm still on season four Just
1: love like wait cool nice 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 yes Wait until you get to season five because all of the Jake and Amy moments are just (laughs) so freaking cute. Oh my God. so cute! I love them so much.
0: But I have a new person that I am now. Like I'm a mashup of like Monica Geller, Hermione Granger, Nina Proudman and Amy Amy Santiago. Santiago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which character are you? On Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Like who would you be? I honestly don't know. Neither do I. (laughs) I can't pick you. Like maybe you're more of a Jake. Oh God, Maybe? no! Because you see, that's the thing. I can't pick you because you're not. Yeah. I feel like you're not a Gina. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like a Gina. you are fabulous, but you're not like. I don't think I I'm love Gina. myself fabulous, and I would love to think that I'm a Rosa, but I'm I not know. a Rosa. No, I'm not you're. type.
1: I'm not type A enough to be an Amy. <laughs> that's so true, <laughs> and you're definitely not a Charles Boyle. No, <laughs> God, I love him, but no, I can't. I, know I'm I not love him, him. too. I'm not him.
0: Oh, maybe maybe you're like um, no. I was gonna say maybe you're like a Terry, but I don't think you are. No, see, I'm I'm all oh, of them. And none you're of them. all of them and none of them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And I've I all I've been reading this week was um, Zoya Patel's No Country Woman, mm. which is super exciting because we recorded a great our first our first recording together was recording Zoya Patel's. Um, interview yeah like super excited to share that stay tuned to that one in the next couple of weeks yeah so um have you finished what if it's us
1: yes good oh my god I absolutely loved it like (laughs) I I would just like I felt like yesterday so today is Sunday everybody yesterday I was like I kind of want to read it again so you know what I did I read the whole script for Dear Evan Hansen while listening to the songs because i, like I bought the script from the yeah. australian bookstore in new york so i just like read the script and then when i got to the song i played the song
0: i love that that's yeah. so cool that's was... why i like musical soundtracks because i feel like i'm reliving it because they leave in like a few little bits and you're like oh, i remember exactly if they yeah. leave in lines yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you yeah. know that's so good oh wonderful well if you haven't already go watch bohemian rhapsody because it's amazing yeah absolutely. so amazing and now i'm just going to be singing queen songs like over and over mm. oh God, sorry, before we go, before we go, I just have to tell everyone, I saw Bill Bailey perform live in Rocky. um, And Caitlin's looking at me like, who the F is that? I know who Bill Bailey is. Okay, cool. Okay. You're just looking at me a bit like, and um he no, was hilarious I'm sure he was, he was yes. so funny so if you don't know who bill bailey is he's on black books and he's on he's a comedian from britain on qi would i lie to you like all the british panel shows but he's so funny and he plays like all these weird instruments on stage oh, and cool. makes it like a bit of a sort of like it's yeah part music part comedy just really weird kind of funny hilarious like I was I felt my face was sore within like the first five minutes from <laughs> laughing um and Jack and I just had so much fun and I can't believe he came to Rocky which is phenomenal so yeah. super excited for that anyway I'll shut up now
1: I'm gonna let you <laughs> no, talk, talk about we've... LA oh yes let's get to our LA intro with hi everyone hi <laughs> so Indy and I are back together in Rocky. I've made her come over to my house so that we can record our bits about what we did in LA. So, first things first, what did we do on our
2: first day in LA, Indy? We walked every single star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, is that what it's called? Yeah, Hollywood Walk of Fame (laughs) on
1: Hollywood Boulevard.
2: And a few other streets. Yeah, and
1: a few other streets. It goes up a couple side streets, which I did not know. I thought it was all in one line. But we did not miss a single star. We did the whole damn thing. We did. It was actually
2: a really long way. <laughs> it was to a be long walk. And yeah. a lot of blank ones, which was surprising. Yeah. Like, sort of on the outer Especially edges. on the edges. There yeah. was some
1: blank ones, which I think I just thought they added the star when they
2: added the name. But I guess but so not. Yeah, maybe Do you reckon they'll run out one day and they'll have to like build well, more? Well they'll streets? have to extend it, yeah. surely. True. Hmm. Did it like when they first started it? Was it all empty like I don't don't understand maybe they probably just sat outside the Chinese theater and then like extended from there yeah maybe I
1: don't know me neither we did look up multiple things about the history of the walk of fame as we were walking down it but I don't remember anything about that now but um yeah
2: Yeah. so the other thing we did on Hollywood Boulevard was the Hollywood Wax Museum which was actually so much fun yeah neither of us had been to any sort of wax museum or anything like that before like Madame Tussauds or anything yeah no, oh, so much fun. We saw, I married
1: Hugh Jackman, yes, and uh, took a photo with Michael Jackson, and who else did I take a photo with? I don't know. I don't remember now. I took a photo of a few different people, but um, it was just so funny because like they had some people just in like nice dresses or suits or whatever, and some people in like. Characters, yeah, character costumes. And, like, things that you could dress up as and stand
2: next to them. So that was cool. Yeah, it was kind of a little scary. Some of them were pretty not realistic and, like, pretty bad. But, like, the but old one some, I was like, oh,
1: this Some of them really were. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think one that I was like, oh, I can tell this is, you know, a figure was, like, Ryan Reynolds. I was yeah, like, Yeah, some mm, of them were a, a bit, bit dodgy. different. But, like, uh, dodgy seems a bit strong. But, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But then even... Hugh, like, the Hugh Jackman one, I was actually quite impressed. I was like, this really looks like Hugh Jackman. That's Like, true. a bit that younger, a probably. One. It
2: was probably made a few years ago now. But. That's true. Do you know of another place that I was thinking about the other day that we went? Was that weird, like, costume place where you could buy yeah. stuff from, like, New Girl and from these, I don't know, oh, other cop there shows? there were so many other
1: shows and stuff that I don't f- I mainly remember New Girl. Yeah. I think they had some stuff from... The office. Yes,
2: the office. And the Mindy project. So it was like an auction house almost, and so you could buy, like, clothes from episodes and yeah. shoes and all sorts of props. And they had, like, other props and crazy. cardboard
1: cutouts and things like that. Yeah. yeah. They had, like, a desk set up that had, like, rubber band balls and all these things from the office, and it was literally just stationery,
2: but yeah. it was on
1: the office. Yeah,
2: it was so cool. Yeah. I kind of regret not buying things, but it was kind of expensive, oh, yeah, no. so yeah, was I don't right. think there was
1: anything I really no. wanted, but, um... Yeah, it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, So after we walked all the way down Hollywood Boulevard, we had our first experience of things being super far away in LA we and did. we went all the way to Santa Monica. It <sighs> was
2: after an epic Buffalo Wild Wings lunch. Yes, I'm sure so good. I love yes. Buffalo oh, Wild Wings. So good. We went <laughs> <So> twice. delicious. <laughs> we went twice while we were in LA. Yes, so, so delicious. Um, but yes, we went down to the pier to... You know, see the beach I guess. I don't think we actually went onto to the beach. To and be did honest. not walk on a single grain of no. sand. No. No, we just, just on the pier. On the pier, we had a little look and we also went to the ride, like the amusement sort of park that they have on the pier. It was so cool. Yeah, it was a lot of stuff there, surprisingly.
1: Yeah, I was actually impressed. I thought it might be like one Ferris wheel or something. Yeah. But there's a heaps of rides. And we went on the pirate ship ride, which I actually think was like it's like
2: called like a dragon a or like dragon a sea dragon or something. Yeah, sea dragon. Yeah. Um and it actually went like really high. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> we sat in like the second from the, like the back, the, further, yeah. from the tip, I don't know what you want to call it's, it. Well, there's two sides, yeah. so I guess, yeah. But it was very scary. We were literally like v- vertical? Yeah, pretty much. Almost. Like, it felt like per- it. Like
1: perpendicular,
2: perpendicular to like what we were,
1: I don't know. I don't know these terms Like you either. start sitting, and we literally ended up at one point like fully leaning like, over, yeah, like on a right see- angle.
2: Yeah. It was very scary, but I loved it. Yes,
1: it was so much fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and at Santa Monica Pier, I would looked up all these different things to do in LA and I found on the Santa Monica Pier website or something that they were doing like a movie festival. So we watched Clueless on Mm -hmm. the pier in these cute little beach chairs and we ate popcorn and lollies and stuff, and it was so much fun. Yeah, it was
2: so good. I'm happy we saw that one. There was a couple other choices, but that was definitely like the best one. different days and yeah. stuff, yeah. I think it was
1: running, like, over that weekend. It but was yeah. so good. So much fun. Um,
2: Alrighty, we you want to start day two? Day two was the best day ever. I think so. Actually, day two was really good. Day two was so awesome. So, probably...
1: Equally, we were both freaking out at different points in the day. Yes, I, think. I agree. So first up, we went to the Warner Brothers Studio Tour, and I like died. Like we got to sit on like the friend's couch, and like I walked the real set, like the real set that they filmed on. We got to sit there and we filmed a little scene at Central Perk. At Central Perk, I... sorry, yes, and I got to stand behind the counter, and
2: it was so cool.
1: Oh, and they had all these other locations and that through the back lot that they took us through that were used on like Gilmore Girls and Pretty mm-hmm. Little Liars and oh, Friends sorts. and like I'm trying to remember other ones that like I wa- that I don't watch like Heart of Dixie There yeah, was
2: um, a few
1: superhero back There was a few superhero things? ones and ones that were moved, used in movies and things like that I mean there was just too much to remember honestly. Yeah, like, it
2: so cool well, Was a really good too uh, on our little bus thing a little golf yeah, cart. yeah it was like a big golf cart that yeah. could seat like 10 people yeah it was really cool and then we also went to like different studio sets that because it was a weekend so we got to go and see the ellen set which i loved so it was much. so awesome and we got to sit in the big bang like audience and like see the sets there it was so cool yeah that's pretty cool that was a pretty cool behind the scenes look Yeah, it was funny
1: actually. The other day, I watched an Ellen video where she was like in a in a big costume or something, and couldn't see her mark. And they were like, "There's your mark," and I was like, "Oh, we (gasps) saw her mark!" mark. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that's where she was standing." That was so cool. Yeah.
2: Oh, and then in the afternoon. This is when Indy oh. was mainly freaking out, I think. I was just about to bring up Melrose Avenue, so conveniently enough. Yes. Uh, we went to the Matrix Theatre on Melrose to see a Star Kid, pre- like, performance. Like, an in, like, live, like, in-person performance. so awesome. Which I've been a big fan of Star Kid for, for, like, I don't even know, a good six years or something ridiculous. And so... The Very I, Potter Musical came out
1: ten years ago. I
2: know. I know. It's crazy. So I had looked up when we were in Vegas. Oh, I had seen, sorry, an Instagram of there saying, oh, we've added an extra show. And I was like, oh, it was in our time frame. I was like, we're going. Absolutely. And it was so <laughs> good. And it was like their last show today as well. So they're going to put it on YouTube hopefully really soon. <gasps> they filmed the one we went to. Yes. So I hopefully, I hopefully that one. Hopefully they
1: use it. Cause or at least bits of it. <laughs> bits of it. Because I want to be like...
2: I know, <laughs> so I'm really excited to watch it again. Wow, so
1: they finished their run now. Yeah, today was the wow. last one. Oh, that's so exciting. I know. Oh man, it was so it was so funny. So I don't think we've actually said anything about what the show was yet. It was called The Guy okay. Who Didn't Like Musicals. Mm-hmm. So the basic premise is that like zombie alien type yeah. creatures attack this little town and make everyone sing and dance until they die pretty much yeah so it's like a
2: apocalypse yeah a musical pretty much it's yeah it was just so good and different i mean they have it was so good though yeah it made things previously before that have no relation to any like you know harry potter disney anything like that yeah that aren't i guess adaptations so it was really good yeah
1: i loved it so much yeah, it was totally awesome. Mm, so And then, then we had
2: a little shop there and I actually yeah. saw some YouTubers go to the urban outfitters, <gasps> go to the shops we went to, like I recognized one of the fancy boutiques we That's went to. I was so like, cool, <gasps> I was like we were there. Yeah, I know. So we just like walked out. up
1: we just had a bit of a walk around Melrose and they had all these cool Um, Yeah, boutiques and we went into an Urban Outfitters and we were just wandering around and we found this cool ramen place that had gluten-free ramen. So I was like freaking out and we had ramen for dinner and it was so delicious. It was so good.
2: So, so good. Man, I need some of that in my life again. I know, right?
1: (laughs) Now I finally understand why everyone freaks out about ramen because it was delicious. Oh, (laughs) man. It was delicious. Speaking of delicious things, um, the next morning we got to hang out with your friend Talia. Oh, that's um, not the right day, man. Yes, it is.
2: Isn't it? No. <gasps> no, I'm skipping <laughs> a day. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. We didn't eat delicious food. We went to a spooky <laughs> yep. Forever Cemetery. Forever Hollywood Cemetery? Hollywood Forever Holy Cemetery. Forever cemetery. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right, yeah. So, sorry. No, the delicious food comes the next day. But <laughs> yes, we had a bit of a walk around the cemetery because it's just... It's really beautiful gardens yeah. and everything like
2: that. It's really so, weird, though, because, like... It did feel a bit strange. There was lots of people there putting I don't flowers, know if, and I was like... I don't
1: think it's something I would necessarily, like, recommend as an attraction, even yeah. though it kind of is listed as an attraction if you Google what to do in LA.
2: Yeah, it was sort so, of weird, because we weren't sure what sort of people are allowed to be in there, like any old person. It seemed to be that way, but yeah. it wasn't clear. <laughs>
1: I know. Yeah, and no, I was kind of ticked off a few different things that day because we also went to the grove and had a, a bit of an explore and, and a we wander had food there. at cheesecake factory yes which we is ate a at dream. the cheesecake
2: factory it was so delicious it was good we which shared really, a really, really nice good. piece of gluten-free chocolate cheesecake
1: oh, so cut to the other delicious food i was going to talk <laughs> about um we had breakfast at this awesome cafe and i had gluten-free matcha blueberry pancakes and they were amazing yes i had a really nice
2: acai bowl and like this weird sort of almond. Milk, I don't even know. Really like, healthy smoothie thing. I don't know. There was so many things going on.
1: Yeah, was well, didn't I have coffee in it as well? I think so. It was yeah. unclear, but it was nice. There was a lot going on, but yes. So that was our morning that we hung out with your friend Talia.
2: Yes, I worked with her last year when I lived in Brisbane, and we were like really good friends. And so she was over there just sussing out LA because she's an actress. So. I caught up with her, and we spent a couple hours doing a bit of yeah. shopping and I know, we just, just had a wandering great, around. Yeah,
1: we had a great chat at breakfast, and we wandered around Hollywood Boulevard, and um, and then another afternoon of kind of ticking off spots to go, we went to Rodeo Drive. We did. And just walked up and down, looking like we can't afford anything.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of exciting, but not really, because you know, we weren't going to go into any shops. I so know, it was, was kind of like... like,
1: we're here, to say we went
2: here. Exactly, yeah. pretty
1: much. <laughs> But yeah, we also, because obviously Rodeo Drive is in Beverly Hills, so we found this cool Beverly Hills sign. We headed into downtown LA, which was a bit scary. It was a tad bit scary, (laughs) but it was pretty awesome. We went to the Grand Central Market Mm -hmm. um, and got some food. Then we went to the last bookstore.
2: It was so cool. It really was. It was kind of similar to the strain in a way of there's just lots of you know massive shelves and just so many books but Mm. oh it was really really cool they had lots of yeah a really big YA section with sort of newer and older books as well
1: yeah yeah they had new and old books um all through the store and we had a look at all the different sections and took like so many photos photos. against the bookshelves and in the book maze and And the the tunnel archway tunnel thing
2: and the circle thing I don't know what to call it well, like I a window hum- oh, oh yeah the window the window <laughs> circle thing so, prepared to see that on our instagrams because like it's yeah common. we're just gonna but- <laughs> keep sharing them periodically over yes. the time <laughs> our and last, last day last- final and last day in LA but also our going home day at the same time yeah so we had pretty
1: much all day so we hiked the Hollywood sign that was a bit tougher than I expected <laughs> it was tougher than I expected I'm pretty sure we started at the wrong spot and that was totally my fault because I thought I understood the map and I don't think I no, did it was very confusing made it to the top and we you know you end at the above the sign I'm yeah to get so you go right behind the
2: sign and that's sort of where the end of the trail is yeah
1: so that was pretty cool, and yeah. it was a pretty cool view, and we could see. Um, and then after that, we went to the Griffith Observatory, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. Um, yeah,
2: very space and sciency, which I guess I should have expected because there's telescopes. But yeah, it was a lot more than I could handle at the time. I was be like, I, yeah, I we, can't learn. <laughs> I don't think
1: we really fully appreciated because we were a bit tired from the hike. <laughs> um, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, and we also went to a Barnes and Noble. <laughs> we did to get our final book purchases finally i bought a hardback of harry potter and the sorcerer's
2: stone and indie i bought uh Ah. kingdom of ash by sarah j mouse it was the release day so i got a special barnes and noble edition and i also bought another copy of lady midnight because that's my collection where caitlin gets the sorcerer's or philosopher's stone i should say yeah i get lady midnight copies (laughs) yeah so it was awesome (laughs) How many books did you buy while we were overseas? I only bought five. I bought five too.
1: I oh, I didn't think we'd gotten the same amount. Oh, no, that's me neither. Cool.
2: I know. And now we're home. We are home. Almost a week and a half home. Yeah. Almost two weeks, I should say, actually. Oh,
1: shit. It is almost two weeks, isn't it? I know. It? So. My God. Thanks so much for being my travel buddy, no, Indy. that's all right. You're <laughs> welcome.
2: Thanks for being mine. Yay. Yay. Okay, everyone. Thanks for listening <laughs> to
1: us and we'll get to this interview now.
0: Our guest today grew up in the western Queensland mining town of Mount Isa and now writes for both adults and children. Her first novel, The Anatomy of Wings, won numerous awards and this critical acclaim has continued for her subsequent middle grade and adult novels. She now lives in southeast Queensland and has just celebrated the publication of her fifth novel, Lenny's Book of Everything. Welcome to Better Words, Karen Foxley.
3: Hi, hello. Hello.
0: <laughs> um so we're from rockhampton so it's quite nice to have someone else who's like at oh, least yeah, from rural really? queensland on yeah oh, that's really good <laughs> um so i think kind of the best place to start would be if you tell us a little bit about lenny's book of everything because it's um one that we've been seeing a lot of on instagram and through really? our social channels lately and it certainly seems to be one that everyone's loving at the moment yeah that's
3: oh it's really good i'm um, how could I describe it? In a nutshell, Lenny's Book of Everything, is, it's the story of Davy more than anything. It's a story of a boy called Davy Spink who's born in the 70s and he's actually born in 1969 and he uh, starts to grow around the time of his fifth birthday and he grows and grows and grows until he's the size of a, a man really when he's seven years old. And his story is told by his older sister, Lenny, who's an amazing character. She's uh, quite a, a feisty young girl, you know, pretty flawed as well, and, but who absolutely adores her brother uh, and has a passion for Beatles as well. So it's the story, she tells the story of Davy's life and it's also the story of a a wonderful cast of characters around them. You know, there's their mother who works two jobs to support them and crazy Mrs Gasper across the hallway who helps to raise them and, and also an encyclopedia set. So that kind of frames the whole story. There's The Sphinx have won an encyclopedia set in a competition and it arrives week by week to their letterbox and and through its pages, Lenny and Davy really learn about the world. And that's about it in a nutshell.
1: Oh, that sounds very sweet. And I like the idea that it's, you know, the story of sister telling her brother's story for him, like the real, there must be so many wonderful sibling and family moments
3: Yes, there is. It's uh it's a story about this uh really incredible bond between this pair, brother and sister pair, and all the dreams they have and and you know, as well as all the arguments and fights they have, but uh yeah, just an incredible bond between both of them.
1: Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I think often you don't see stories of a brother and a sister. It's usually two brothers or two
0: sisters. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. True. And there aren't that many sibling stories anyway. I yeah. think in, in um, young adult or middle grade, like yeah. necessarily where their relationship is central to the to the story, which mm-hmm. is really yeah. lovely.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I, t-
0: I had a um, a
3: relationship in a failure The Marvelous Boy, but it was kind of didn't wasn't centre stage. So this is the first time I've kind of delved into that territory, and absolutely loved writing about it loved how their relationship started to grow on the
0: page and actually your writing process is something that we'd love to touch on so you've obviously this is your fifth novel so you've had a little bit of experience and I I know from having a a look on your website that you know you've always written uh, always written things and been a bit of a writer um how's your writing process changed over the years especially since your first novel was published I think it's changed a lot. I mean
3: there there's still some things that have stayed the same but I think I've become a lot more confident over the years and not confident in, you know, that I love everything I write but more confident in trusting myself with a story and because I, I'm not a plotter at all, I often don't know where a story is going to go in the beginning and I I find I used to find that really terribly uncomfortable and I'd feel very anxious and I'd think I wasn't a real writer whereas now I'm just more I think I'm more relaxed about it and I know that's the way I write so I just I just start to write and so for this novel as an example, I had the voice of Lenny and I really just sort of started to write and let her tell me what she could tell me about the story in the beginning and and sort of that led my way into the story. So that's probably one way that, that I've changed over the years.
1: Yeah, I always find that so fascinating because it is, you know, something, I don't know, it's probably split pretty evenly between writers yeah. who will say, oh, I plan the whole story out And I know exactly what's going to happen to then the people who say, Oh, I just let my characters take me where they, where they go. And I completely don't understand that because I'm a Mm. planner. Like I'm not, I'm not really a writer, but I plan everything. Just in life. Just in life. I plan everything. So I don't, Understand how people do that, I but I find it's it so a very strange
3: thing. Is it? And I think it's kind of a spectrum more than anything. There's, you know, parts of me does plan. There are as I find things out, then I can start to plan about the things that I find out. But sort of the initial part is very much just floundering around, and which I kind of enjoy now. Um, but it, it is it is strange, and I'm I'm in absolute awe of people who can plot and plan. I really, I always want to be like them, but it just doesn't, the story just disappears if I try and do that. So I guess every writer's different in the way they do it.
0: Was there a particular piece of inspiration? You mentioned you had Lenny's voice um, when you started this new book, but was Mm. there anything in particular that gave you inspiration for the storyline?
3: Well, it's interesting because it was a story that was a failed story about a decade ago. So it was when I had written The Anatomy of Wings and I was sitting down to write something else and I had this vague little collection of ideas which was uh, one for a boy who who wouldn't stop growing and uh, I think I I wanted to write about being different or what it would be like to be different or love someone who was really different. And then I also wanted that idea to incorporate an encyclopaedia set, which is such a weird little collection of ideas. And I tried to write it and I couldn't write it. And the, the idea for the encyclopaedia set came from my own childhood and, you know, a memory of getting the encyclopaedia set that we had as kids and how much we adored it and what what all the bits of information that I've kept in my brain from, from those books. So it was really uh, it was weird that you know I tried that it failed I put it away and it wasn't until years and years later that that sort of story or that collection of ideas started to call me again and and it was when I sat down that the voice of Lenny was there waiting in the way like it's just a, a kind of weird magic of writing that sometimes those things happen and and she kind of
0: was ready to tell the story then.
1: Yeah, just like clicked together. Yeah, strange. Yeah.
0: I think it um I think it's in Elizabeth Gilbert's book Big Magic, she talks about how ideas kind of come to people and like if you don't nurture them they'll go and find someone else who can. But I also love that idea that, you know, maybe that idea then just floats back around and like I kind Mm -hmm. of love like it sounds really hippie and weird but I kind of love that idea that you know these these sparks of inspiration are just waiting for the right moment and obviously you know it wasn't right for you to write this book then
3: yeah and it was just it was waiting for the exact right time and the exact time in my life and you know the stuff that was going in my life for those two ideas to kind of spark to life again yeah that's wonderful um
1: is there anything that you've learned about how publishing works and you know that whole process that you wish you could go back and tell yourself as your debut was being published
3: I think one thing I've always kind of I don't know if it's regretted but I have in those first few books just always really really worried a lot about uh, stuff like I can't even think of of how to say it but worried about who I was as a rider you know that I had to be a certain kind of person to be a rider and so I always felt a little like I didn't really fit the mold you know I'm a, a miner's daughter from Mount Isa who became a nurse who just for some reason, kept writing her whole life and had this desire to tell stories. But I don't know, I just always felt I didn't fit the mould and I wish I just hadn't worried so much about that stuff in the beginning and just, uh, just being myself, I guess.
0: And so are you finding that, you know, by book five, you're much more able to embrace yourself without those worries? Definitely, definitely. And I just
3: enjoy it so much more, (laughs) really, you know, like I've just been on a little tour of Brisbane and Byron Bay and just so beautiful to meet readers and without worrying, just without, you know, everyone's just there because they love books. It took me a while to
0: realise that. So obviously we said before you, you've you written for adults and also younger audiences. So um, I believe, was it the first two books were sort of more for an adult audience and then Ophelia and The Marvelous Boys, like Middle Grade and and Lenny's sort of Middle Grade as well. Um, what's the – or is there any difference in your approach between those two sort of audiences? I don't think so. I think it, it always just
3: starts off with, a little seed of an idea and for me it's about that the kind of chase of that idea and wanting to grow a story out of that seed and looking for the heart of a story and making it you know perfect and readable and I, I think if I think about audience too much which you know people probably assume that you do when you're writing a novel I I find it I find it that I just it kind of terrifies me really to think of an audience I usually try and think about myself and and you know the perfect what story is going to please me and put it together in the way that it pleases me so when I'm writing for kids I guess I'm kind of writing for the kid inside me or or you know what I would have loved as a child so I
0: think and I, that, that. I take that
3: same approach with every book, pretty much. Mm. Basically, you know, the story that you'd want to read. Exactly. And, I, I mean, obviously sometimes I must be thinking I want to please a reader and I want them to keep turning pages. So structurally yeah. <laughs> and all that, I'm thinking, you know, but I'm, I haven't got an ideal reader in my mind, I don't think, or, or an age group. And with Lenny that's really, you know, it can be for anyone.
0: Mm. yeah kind of transcends that Mm. audience barrier yeah I think
1: that's something that's becoming more and more common is that you know some of these books are labeled middle grade or YA just because of the age of the characters
0: Yeah. yeah but I noticed that even with like learning cover design is quite like it really it could sit well within the adult section in terms of its cover design, as well as in yeah. YA or in middle grade. And the only difference would be like the physical size of the book in terms of, you know, sometimes adult books are usually that larger trade paperback, but mm-hmm. it was, it was actually on display in our local bookshop as like the oh, book lovely. of the month. Oh, lovely. Um, and I took me a moment cause I, you know, it just kind of, it was there with all the other books and stuff. It it didn't, you know, look particularly young or anything like that so obviously Alan and Unwin are looking at kind of that broader audience of people just enjoying the story
3: I hope yeah well that's the aim because I think really it could be read from anyone from 10 and upwards and I think that they've done a really good job with the cover in that respect and it did you know I've just seen been to nearly every bookshop in southeast Queensland to sign stock and it just looked lovely wherever it was situated in the shop and it kind of looked like it fitted in and stood out. I think it's quite a striking cover. It's
0: mm, absolutely. Really, no, it's it's beautiful. beautiful. It is a beautiful cover. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I know you said before that like, you kind of write for what the kid inside you would have wanted to read or the story that mm. you want to read at any age, but I'm interested to know like, do your kids act as a bit of a sounding board, for, like, especially for your middle-grade novels?
3: Yeah, well, I've got one just the one at um, Alice, and she's ten, and she's pretty good. Like I will, I will talk to her about story ideas, and I can remember specifically with a most magical girl, uh, sounding ideas, which was my the novel before this one, and just sounding ideas off with her, and um, I think also she was really my inspiration for for Ophelia and. Maybe even though that story idea was just sitting there waiting for Ophelia and came from all different sorts of places, uh, I think having a child and just revisiting magic again through books really kind of just piqued my interest again in magic, and I was so happy to to find it again as an adult. So that was that was lovely.
0: I would guess like yeah having having your own child i would imagine we don't know um would would bring back that childlike view of the world that we sort of we just kind of forget about in the day-to-day like work and bills and and we forget to kind of embrace the magical stuff that just take for granted when you're a kid yeah exactly (laughs) like the classic peter pan has grown up and has Mm. forgotten
1: Mm. you know what it's like to see the world through a child's eyes but you would see that with your own children
3: yeah i do i mean just some of the stuff that comes out of their beautiful little mouths you know she (laughs) i remember being just in new york on a stormy day and her looking up at the sky saying this is exactly the place that dragons would live and you know those kind of things that kids say that you just think wow there's a story in there so Yeah.
0: yeah she's quite an inspiration
1: Oh, that's wonderful.
0: Um, so you mentioned a little bit earlier that you're a miner's daughter from Western Queensland. Um, Mm. I'm really interested to know, like, how that's affected your your writing and what kind of impact that's had on your creativity as well. Because living in in Western Queensland would be such a different experience to growing up in a city. Mm.
3: Yeah, well, it's very different place, isn't it? And such an amazing childhood, but, and I think, you know, I grew up in the 70s, so it was very, lots and lots of freedom and lots of exploring and, you know, my, our mum just used to drop us off at out near the hills and say, you know, I'll pick you up at sundown. So we would just be gone <laughs> for the day with a bottle of water and some sandwiches in a bag. So lots and lots of uh freedom, but... I don't know how that impacted upon my writing. I think, I mean, I can still remember the first story I ever wrote and it was on a really, really hot day in Mount Isa and I just, I was in grade two and I can remember having a feeling that something was going to happen and getting a piece of paper and a pen and lying on the floor in the laundry because it was really cool in there and writing my first story. And I just had this... uh, feeling when i did that that i something about me had clicked into place and i felt really quite magical for creating something out of nothing and i really never stopped from that moment on uh, with story writing and all the way up until you know i I always link that to you know the publication of my first book because i feel like from that point onwards i was i was trying to get better at writing and trying to work out how to tell a story uh, of course we didn't you know we didn't have when you know, no authors visited schools or anything in those days so it always just seemed such a mysterious kind of occupation and it wasn't until years later when I came to Brisbane and started going to the Queensland Writers Centre and all those kind of amazing places that I started to really you know meet other writers and 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 improve myself
0: um and you know your first book uh and and in like all of your books since have been quite critically well received um and and you won some awards for your first novel was that daunting and I mean we do ask this a lot of novelists who've had this experience but I'm always interested to hear everyone's perspective on it but was it daunting to have that sort of um, critical acclaim and
3: praise,
1: yeah,
0: right from the start of your career.
3: It well, it was because, and also because the first one was so difficult to write. And I always had this kind of sense that, wow, everyone's saying these amazing things about an, the Anatomy of Wings, but if they knew how I wrote it, you know, it just seemed like such a chaotic process that took so long. And I think it was about ten years. That it took me to actually get that story out of me, and you know and that was through going back to university and and going to courses and all of the all of the things that I learned along the way but so when when all that praise was coming, I guess i couldn't I never enjoyed it as much as I should have probably because I was always just thinking, "Wow, but they didn't see how messy that was getting that out, so and then obviously it introduced the whole idea of an audience then, which so when I went to write The Midnight Dress, which is my second book, I just really struggled for quite a while. And oh, second book syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've really discussed this good. a bit with people yeah. as well. The curse of the second book and I couldn't. I just It took me years. And uh, had to really, in the end, consciously try and just say, no, there's no audience, this book's just for me, and, and go back to that kind of, which I stick to now. And mm.
0: get um, the, um, the Anatomy of Wings and The Midnight Dress were like sort of crime-centred um, novels and stuff. Do you think that you kind of go back to, to writing that sort of um, mystery sort of fiction feel that I still
3: have some more of that to do uh, whether I've got a cue in my head that I'm trying to get to but I think I definitely have some young adult adult novels up there and and I think that those stories that are waiting up there the, the YA or the adult probably have mystery at their heart and I think that's kind of the stories that I like to read quite possibly
0: Do you find that difficult then, with not really plotting much? To to, because I've always thought that to be like a mystery writer or to have any sort of mystery, you have to know exactly what's going to happen. So is that like hard then to write?
3: uh, Yeah, not easy. (laughs) (laughs) It would help if you knew what you were doing, that's for sure. But I think it doesn't take long before things. You know, it's only that you don't know what you're doing for. Those messy first couple of drafts as you're putting it all together. And then it's um, certainly with the Midnight Dress, which is structured sort of, you know, forward and backward in time, you know, it's just getting all the pieces into the place. And I seem to write, I kind of, it's kind of like in fragments. So I don't know everything until I've got all the fragments down. And then I have to kind of piece them all together. It feels like a puzzle. And somewhere in there the answer will be there, or I'll find answers and then I can write those answers.
0: Are you working on anything at the moment?
3: Uh, I've been working it's interesting I've working with my daughter on a little story together and that's just oh, to that's have wonderful. yeah, just to have a bit of fun and she it's very magical and it's so bigger than ben Hare as usual she says it's a 12 book series but I don't you know I don't think it's that big but we're just having 12 a, is lot. a lot I know I said that's ambitious we're just having a lot of fun together
0: is that um fun to I guess to, to write together and to see her imagination like you said like some of the things that she says are already so amazing and magical is it fun to actually put that down on paper
3: Yeah she's got incredible ideas and but it's also interesting how different we are too and as much as I'm not a plotter I'm I must be in some ways I want to be really logical and I want to know how the magic works and so I'm always asking the hard questions about well how does that magic work you know how does that and she says, well, it's magic. We don't have to worry about that. So there's a, a fair few arguments that go on. But it's good. It's really good.
1: Yeah, I have to say, I think I'm on your side there, Karen. I Like if it doesn't make sense, if the magic or fantasy somehow doesn't make sense, yeah. then I just I completely lose it. I'm like, yeah, no, this is it, all
0: ridiculous. It. it doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. It needs to... It needs to have a logic but I do like we said before like I love that kids can just accept that and they're like yeah it's yeah. magic like duh. it's
1: magic <laughs> it works because it's magic but
0: and all the adults are like hmm mm, too cynical <laughs> yeah yeah so it is it is fun to revisit that and then just as a like just as a general thing as a parent it must be nice to kind of document that because You know, you can say to her later, oh, you said this really funny thing once, but you'll also have this little project that you've worked on together where you'll have it in writing, like some of the amazing ideas she used to have as a kid.
3: That's right. And, I I mean, I always say I don't know where this will go, but let's just have fun writing it together. And, And exactly, we'll always have that then. We'll have the notebook, we'll have the drawings, we'll have the maps as something to look back on, which is nice.
0: That's so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. I love it. Um you mentioned that you've been meeting um with lots of um readers and stuff. Um is this kind of an a new um thing that you've been doing with Lenny or have you been meeting readers ever since you kind of started started writing and publishing? Oh, well definitely with the kids books.
3: I have spent a lot of time going into schools talking with school kids uh, over the last couple of years and that's just absolutely so much fun and they're just a room full of kids doing creative writing is, is I don't know, I just walk away and I'm so energised and exhausted but really <laughs> I just, you just walk away with the sense that the world's okay and yeah. all yeah. these kids most brilliant ideas they have the best story ideas in the world and it's really really lovely so lots of lots of talking to younger kids and then uh with Lenny I've had just uh adults so far and then in Byron Bay I went to two schools which was really good again to to be out doing that and chatting to kids about the book and and fun because I can talk with Lenny about you know because it's set in a different era Uh, talking about the encyclopedias and all of those things that have kind of disappeared from the world really and the joy, the absolute joy that we had as kids when when we used to look in those pages, which they
0: were were really
3: interested in.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I remember having them in our library. Mm. Yeah, no, I
2: was
1: just thinking it would be interesting about the, the era because, you know, when kids are reading it, Today, like you know, that's not what their world looks like, and so it it probably almost seems a little magical, like set in the past, no like
0: technology, technology, internet, all that sort of stuff. And then for
1: adults to read the book, you know, probably will remind them of their own childhood. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Karen. It's been wonderful to chat to you.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, where can people find you online and find your books? Yes.
3: <laughs> okay. Um, I'm. I've got a website, KarenFoxley.com, and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. And the books are everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> so I'm so <laughs> I excited to about that. that. So QBD Book of the Month for November for Children's Book of the Month. So any QBD. But then all of the independents, beautiful independents are stocking. It depends where you are and uh, then all the Dimmicks as well and Booktopia online. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. Is it still quite easy to get hold of um, your first two novels? Well, They did a print rerun just recently of I'm pretty sure it was
3: The Midnight Dress. So as uh, so you can still find them and definitely online you can find them excellent (laughs) thank you so much caitlin
1: where can people find us everyone can find us at better words pod on facebook instagram and twitter and betterwordspodcast.com thanks again for joining us karen thank you so much